0: You're listening to the Brand Builders Podcast with your hosts, Scott Dunstan and Brian
1: Young.
2: Welcome to another episode of the award-winning Brand Builders Podcast powered by the Dunstan Group. My name is Brian Young. We are here with the president of the Dunstan Group, Scott Dunstan, and we are here with Katie Ryan and Kelly Burton from Kindermorn, who are now our neighbors as we have moved over to Harding Place. They're right down the street from us. Amazing organization. We're going to jump into uh, to what they do. So let's let's talk a little bit about this. You know, there's nothing easy about losing you know a family member. The heartbreak you know must be magnified you know exponentially when it comes to losing a child. You know, in Charlotte, families who do suffer this life altering event, you know, don't have to go at this alone. And you know, me and Scott and a lot of people in the Dunston Group, we know a lot of friends unfortunately that have lost you know, children. And as a parent, I, I can't even imagine that, but it's amazing that there's an organization right down the street from us and here locally that can support you. So since 1978, KinderMorne has helped uh, parents, grieving children, teens by offering support, counseling programs, creating awareness um, of, of issues and really empowering the community to assist those who have suffered through this loss. Uh, most recently, one of my good friends lost his wife and um, both of his son's go to Kinder Morn, and he talks a lot about how it has helped them a lot. Um, and now it seems that both his young children are, are really on a path to, to not never getting over it but being able to grieve, being able to understand it and being able to live really in honor of their mother. Um, you know, one of the things that Kindermorn does is, is really there's a lot of ways that they help out, but they bring their message and their mission to the greater community through the annual Hope Floats duck race, which is so cool. I actually did one of these when I was a little kid in Kansas and it's different, but the duck race is awesome. So we'll talk a little bit about that, but we have Katie Ryan, who's the executive director of Kindermorn, and we have Kelly Burton, uh, she is a Kindermorn parent and a former board, a board member, and um, her and her husband lost their son Liam, and they did participate in the Empty Arms program. So we're going to dive into to, to really how how that you know happened and how that affected, and really how Kindermorn you know stepped up to the plate. So this is an organization that's near and dear to our heart. Um, it's something that I hope I never have to. To experience or or go through, but at the same time, it's something that is there. And I remember Greg Olson, when he was on our podcast, he talked about Levine and he said, it's the greatest place that you never want to go to. Right. And I feel like Kindermorn is the same thing. It's not something you ever wish to happen or something that you ever want to happen. But when it does, it's amazing that you two and the entire organization have stepped up to the plate. So that might be my longest intro of all time. So let's get to the, uh, the real stars of the show, Katie and Kelly. Thank you so much and welcome to this episode of the Brand Builders Podcast.
0: Thanks for having us. Thanks.
1: Hey, it's nice to see you all. Thank you for being here and congratulations on your new position. That's Thank right. You, um, I'm excited to be there. Kinder Morn is going to uh, continue to prosper and we're confident in that your leadership is awesome. It, this is not your first leadership role in Charlotte. Um, so anyway, we're excited your neighbors and, and excited you're here. Could you tell us a little bit more about Kindermorn from your perspective and then uh, Katie or I'm sorry. Then, Kelly, we will jump right into we your story. We brought all the K names. Yes, to you course. did. Sorry, <laughs> tongue twisters
0: yeah, so, early, too. Um, I apologize. And thank you for your kind words. I'll slip you that $10 later when we're on our way out of the building. It's $20 but, um, now, Katie? Come on. Oh, Inflation. Well, I thought That's I got good. a yeah. preferred customer $10. discount. But yeah, – um, right. <laughs> No, we're excited to be here and be on the podcast. Um, It's an incredible podcast, so congratulations on all your accolades and awards. And, you know, Mm -hmm. Brian spoke to it just moments ago. We were founded in 1978 by Lucy and Bill Christopher when they lost their infant daughter, Sally. And they were really looking to establish a place where people could navigate the maze of loss and bereavement. And um Kinder Morn has served that purpose for many, many years. And our previous executive director, Kelly Hamilton, who was with the organization for more than 30 years, has said, you know, you, you don't want to know about, you know, the loss of a child or the death of a loved one. Um, and if you don't know about Kinder Morn, consider yourself lucky. But you, if you do, you're so grateful that we're here. But we want everybody to know about Kindermorn because there's a lot of people in our community that are going through things that don't receive the kind of mental health care and counseling that they need. And that's one of the things that we provide. We provide individual and group counseling free of charge. People um, will pay. Um, based on what they feel their capacity is. And so it's really bringing down the barriers to care for people and also um, not normalizing grief. I mean, grief is something that we all experience, but making sure that people have a place where they can go and connect with others who are experiencing something similar so that you can have a community where you feel welcomed and you feel heard and seen when you're navigating something so difficult.
1: And it takes a special lady to do what you do and and be in this environment every single day. Um, And I know you have a history and I know you've wanted this role for a long time. Uh, Would you mind sharing your story a little bit as to why you're so passionate?
0: Yeah. Uh, um, So and it's not a story that I've told in the other roles. I mean, Scott and Brian are probably two of the only people that have really heard it. Um, No, when I was 13, uh, a member of my family was murdered. And our family didn't receive um, any sort of mental health or grief counseling. And what you see when that happens, and and it was another family member murdered a family member, um, which is especially difficult. And what you experience is really the, or at least what I experienced was the fracturing of our family unit. Mm -hmm. Um, People experience grief in different ways. Some people want to talk about it all the time. Other people don't want to talk about it at all. Um, and especially as a younger child, you have really big emotions. Um, but you're not developed enough. I won't get really geeky in it, but like, you know, you're going to react more from the survival part of your brain, which is that fight or flight. And you just don't have the, you haven't created the pathways necessary to process things in a more cognitive way. And so the way that your grief can manifest itself can be in all sorts of difficult or inappropriate behaviors, um, to try to get those big emotions out when you don't have the words to, (laughs) to articulate it. And so, um, you know, one of the reasons I'm so passionate about this and why I went to school and have an education background in early childhood trauma is really trying to figure out, you know, what do we do in these types of situations to self-soothe and self-regulate? And those are some of the skill sets and tools that we teach kids. I mean, uh, at you know, when you go to our website, you see it says when a child dies, when a child grieves, there's help, there's hope. And it really is... um It's a place where people can land and find the care that they need um, in the the darkest of times when people have experienced an unimaginable loss. And I so wish that I had had to kinder mourn there when I was younger um, for myself, for my sister, and and for my father um, and my mother to really help us navigate that maze. I hope that makes sense. I feel like I rambled a little bit, but no. that's why I'm so passionate about it, and why I wanted to be a part of KinderMorn. Having come from working in a mental health space, then moving into a leadership role within the cancer space, um, this is a great opportunity for me to tie not only my education background but my personal history to something about which I feel passionate.
2: Yeah. I want to jump in on that quickly. And, and so that, when that happened to you, I think we're kind of in a different time. We always talk about social media, how, you know, it can be very negative, but one of the things I think social media has done a great job of, and I'll use some professional athletes as examples people that maybe when you look at the the outside world, you think their life's perfect, right? They're millionaires, they got this, they're athletes, but all of them, you know, go through their own challenges. And now it seems like people are more willing to talk about Mm -hmm. mental illness or the struggles that they go through. And that can be anything, right? It can be trauma, it could be, you know, you name it. But I feel like it's now a conversation that people are willing to have, and it's not just get tough, you'll get over it and just kind of like move on. Like people need to have that grieving moment. Have you seen kind of a shift in that specifically from an organizational standpoint where maybe more people are willing to to reach out and ask for help?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, my tenure at Kindermorn has been short, so I'll give Kelly an opportunity to answer that question as well. But certainly, I mean, the trends that you see um, you know, even with my three stepdaughters, I mean, their willingness to talk about things from in a, in the mental health space is night and day different than what I experienced. You know, I was born in 1976. So if you do the math, I just,
2: oh my gosh,
0: <laughs> put me out to pasture. <laughs> but um, yeah, I turned 47 next month, but there's definitely, we're definitely at a place where people are more willing to talk about the state of their mental health. But I think when it comes to death in particular, it's still a really difficult topic for people to talk about. And, you know, when you're going through something like that, people want to comfort you, but they don't know what to say. A lot of folks will be like, it'll get better. It'll just take time. And what people don't realize, in my circumstance in particular, you know, you don't realize the milestones that impact people, the The birthday that comes up, the holiday, the things where maybe your loved one used to be there to, and it was something special that they enjoyed with you. And especially when you if some if you lose someone to violence, it's a totally different experience as well, because you have police involvement, you have trials. In my case, we had three separate trials, um, which sounds crazy. And then we have um, for me in particular, every five years I go and testify at a parole hearing and that that wound is ripped open again. You're in a space with the perpetrator 10 feet away from you um, and, and you do it again and again because of your loved one. So there are things that happen when people lose someone, whether it's traumatic to violence or you lose a child in utero or at birth or something happens, you know, for any number of different reasons. There are going to be so many different places and so many different dates and times where you need this type of support. And it's not just that initial trauma instance i'm not using the right language but you know what i mean
2: yeah and well said it is and and i think you're right i think what Kindermorn does a great job of is is understanding each unique person and how they all grieve differently right and so it's not here's the the step to getting over everybody's different um and and that's where i want to you know bring in kelly and, and i love you know if you're willing to kind of share your story um as You know, getting involved, obviously, in Kindermorn and and, and what happened with your family and and tell us kind of how that that all came together.
3: Sure, sure. So um, in 2008, I was 34 weeks pregnant with our first child, uh, a son named Liam, and my pregnancy had actually gone very well, had had no complications. Everything was very normal. Um, we were at a child birthing class uh, one evening and I got home and I just realized I was not feeling him as I normally would. Normally he was a very active baby in the womb and that evening we decided to call the doctor and they said, just go to the hospital, get yourself checked, eat some chocolate, drink some Coke, see if you can get him going. But when we got there, um we realized his heart had stopped beating and so had to go through the process of being induced. um, And Liam was born the next day. Um, We got several hours with him and very fortunate that we had really good care at the hospital. Um, We were able to connect with a, a different service called Now I Lay Me Down to Sleep. They sent us a photographer, which was something initially I thought there's no way I can do this. I don't understand how to take pictures with my baby who is already Died, um, but they offered that, and I'm really very grateful that we went forward with that because now I have pictures of me and my husband Anthony and Liam that I'll just treasure forever. And now our daughters can can look at him and see what he looked like. Um, they also gave us information at that time in the hospital room about Kindermorn. Kindermorn is very connected into the medical field here, so that doctors and nurses are educated in how to send families um, to kindergarten services should they want them. Um, So after some processing time, uh, going through the steps of having a small funeral service, just doing things that didn't make a whole lot of sense at that time, right? I had a nursery that was just set. I had gone through baby showers, and instead we were picking out a casket for our son. So it was all very insane. I felt pretty insane. Um, but connected with um, another gentleman who's long served on the board of directors, Jim Sigman, and met with him. He, he worked at the bank where I did at the time, and he just told me what sort of services Kinderborn offered and, and connected me personally at the time to Kelly Hamilton. So she did our intake, and and I was just really craving some care in that in that aspect. And so Anthony and I did join an empty arms group. Which when you talked about tailoring the needs to the individual client effectively, the family, that is a great example of how we really segment our care. And and so the empty arms group is really geared toward parents who have had um, a stillbirth, miscarriage, or early infant death. It's a very different loss and type of grief then our other group, which is for grieving parents. So those are for older children who have died at any age. So any parent at any age can can join that group, and they've died for any reason at all. Um, again, it could be, you know, we've seen a lot of increasing in, in violent deaths, suicides, um, certainly a lot of drug overdoses, but then you also have, you know, younger children that have died of cancer or car accidents, etc. The The group we had, again, it's a very different kind of loss because what you've lost is your future. Liam was never really here other than in the womb, and I could feel him every day, but that was my very personal experience. Uh, what we didn't have was our little boy to even really greet um, on the other side. And so that kind of counseling and care and being around other parents who are going through it real time with you who understand that because it's a very unusual loss Um it's about 1% of pregnancies or so that end in stillbirth. But when you run the numbers, it's still well into the, you know, 25,000, 30,000 sort of stillbirths per year here um, to deal with. So it's a lot of parents who are grieving. Um, And so we learned a lot through just sitting alongside the other parents and sharing kind of best practices as to how to get through certain situations Um, how to handle different milestones that were coming up. For me, for example, a really important milestone was when his actual due date was coming. I had a lot of anxiety around that, a lot of anxiety about returning into the working world. I did fortunately have the support of my employer to take um, really about three months at home, which was really wonderful uh, to be able to process through that time, being really involved on a weekly basis through our empty arms support group. And so, once we got through that, it really just helped us to feel more normal in our very crazy world and um, eventually learn to gain hope again. And And so we did start trying uh, to get pregnant eventually. And we're just very fortunate that on the other side of this, we did bring into the world twin baby girls in October wow. of 2009. And so... Um, we we were just super joyful and, and Kindermorn was a big reason we could, I think, find laughter and joy and hope again. That's Kindermorn's favorite word is hope. We are providing hope to people for many different reasons. Um but yes, the empty arms group is is what we participated in. I explained the grieving parents group. And then the third leg to the stool really is our helping the hurt program, which is when Kinder Mourns started getting involved in really assisting children who are experiencing loss. Um, and particularly in that group, that's going into the school system. So kids who otherwise wouldn't be able to have access to services um, whether it be a transportation issue of actually getting to our home here on, on Harding Place, uh, we have support groups right there in the CMS schools. And so kids can join those groups, again, for any reason of a loss. It doesn't have to be a parent. It could be a grandparent, a sibling, any loved one that was really special to them. To Again, as Katie mentioned, it's working through those big emotions these children have and and helping them understand that, doing things through art therapy, Uh, That's been a really wonderful program and a huge part of our growth. We're in many schools every fall and spring helping those children and through different partnerships through the summer, Freedom Schools, for instance. Um, And then in the house, too, we do have programs where kids can come into the home and and join support groups here as well.
2: Thank you for sharing your story. Um, Can't imagine it. I'm I'm so thankful you have twins. I'm a twin. (laughs) Are
3: so you? That's
2: great. I'll just say good luck with that. <laughs>
3: They're now 13. <laughs> so. uh, oh, you done
2: it. You, you're, you're already there. Yeah. Oh, now you get the teenage <laughs> years, though. Now it really gets fun. <laughs> right. um, but no, I appreciate you sharing our story. And um, I, I mentioned, you know, Scott and I know a lot of people who have, have, have lost children. I can't even imagine it. But like we had mentioned, having a place like Kindermorn is great. And you've continued to stay involved, you know, with the group. Um, and obviously, with that being such a long period of time, how have you seen this group continue to grow? Um, and what are you kind of most proud of with Kindermorn? Because as a, f- I, I think of it this way the best executive directors, the best people involved in organizations are the ones that went through it, right? Because you can sit there immediately and have that conversation with a parent and you're never going to be able to understand it per se, but because everything is different, but you do understand it. I and mean, that doesn't make a lot of sense. But to me, you know, when we have friends who have lost kids, I have no idea what they're going through. Right. And I'll mention two people, uh, Wes Slocum and Josh Jones. You can see the connection that they have and really just how they have taken that grief and turned it into a super positive by saying, you know, we're we're going to go out and we're going to support other people that go through that. And I think that's super powerful because I don't think a lot of people, everybody grieves differently. And that could be between a husband and a wife in the same family. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but the ones that have have taken that and and really grown organizations or been involved, I, I just I I don't know how you do it, um, but it's incredible. And so there's a lot of amazing people. We've had a lot of them on our podcast, and um, I think if that was something that me and my wife had to go through, you'd have to have someone like yourself to lead on.
3: As you were talking about earlier, not um, wanting certain services, this is what we would say: this is a club you don't want to join. Mm-hmm. But once you're in it, um, you definitely learn You learn a lot about empathy and reaching out because, again, it can be this taboo space and really difficult for people to reach out. Again, they don't know what to say, how to say it right, and so a lot of people just sort of disappear, which is kind of the worst thing. Um, honestly, I think just simple reach outs with cards, notes, text, phone calls, real personal phone calls, and even just leaving a voicemail to hear a voice. Um, I got a lot fewer of those than I I wish I had. And just saying things like, I can't imagine what you're going through. I'm sorry. How can I help? Or can I just be there for you? People dropped off meals on my porch, which were also great when you don't have to ask for Mm -hmm. help. They just show up in big ways like that, that are super beneficial during the time. Um, But being involved to this day, so I did serve on the board for about eight years. My husband, Anthony, has just rolled on, so they're not getting rid of us yet. <laughs> <laughs> they just basically tagged, yeah. Just tagged yeah, Anthony Yeah, tagged Anthony in. You're in. Um, and we'll always be involved in our um, Hope Floats duck race, which I know we'll we'll talk about because it's it's a really fun way to stay involved. But ways of staying involved with Kinder and reaching out to... Every year, there's there's new moms that come my way through either people I already know or people around the country that say, I just had a friend who lost a baby. Can I have them reach out to you? And me providing those connections and just offering um, an ear to them because sometimes your parents, your family, friends, they want to help, but again, they don't understand from, like you said, that very close aspect of going through it themselves And for new moms that are going through it, I think just to hear from someone who understands the experience for itself, who's a real third party, and honestly, sometimes not knowing you is kind of helpful. And I've made a number of connections through the years. That continues to be therapeutic for me. It's it's a way that I can continue to honor the memory of Liam. Um, It's a way that I can talk about him every year around the duck race and say his name proudly. We raise a lot of money for this wonderful organization because of him. Um, so yeah, we're, we're always going to be involved and try to help others who are sort of walking
0: a similar path that we have.
2: I love it. Well, um, Liam would definitely be proud of you. For one,
0: sure, One thing I was going to say that, you know, Kelly made me think of this as we think about the breadth of our programs, you know, empty arms, grieving children, grieving parents, helping the hurt that's embedded in the school system. We also have a group um, for subsequent pregnancies because there's a lot of anxiety around mm-hmm. that. And navigating that when you've experienced a loss, you know, it's certainly something that you don't want to do alone. And one of the biggest blessings that we have at Kindermorn is really the number of people who have been through our programs, received our services, like Kelly, who are willing to come back. We do parent panels. We bring folks in who have gone through it. So I know we just had a parent panel recently. Um for subsequent pregnancy. And it's great for them to see folks that have gone through our programs and come in who can come in and talk about, you know, this is what I experienced, and really to normalize some of these fears because it's not something that you talk about at the water cooler. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned Kelly even having the fear or some trepidation about going back to work. We have a brand new board member. I'm not going to name her name because I didn't ask permission to share the story. I'm sure she'd be fine with it who said, you know, one of the biggest challenges for her, she lost a very late-term pregnancy, was even thinking about going back to work and having, you know, at a large organization and having say, someone look at her and say, oh, you had your baby. And she said, I, I almost gave up my entire career because I could not imagine dipping a toe back into the workplace and having to face these questions. Um, and she said that, Kinder, you know, receiving services from Kinder Morn really helped her, you know, in many ways, um, gain an extra set of emotional armor, um, not as a protection, but really as a way to process her big emotions and be able to talk to people about her loss. Um, in, a, in a way that didn't
2: just ruin her every time she had to approach the subject. You, you know, we talk about this a lot. And me and Scott talk about this on our podcast. Is one of the unique things that we've been able to do is have so many conversations, right, with so many people, and the importance of communication, um, the importance of understanding other people's story. I say a lot that I don't really care why you believe in a certain thing. I just want to understand how you got to that point, right? But you guys have brought up a good point, and I'm going to kind of use this as an overall general statement is that you need to be reaching out to your friends and your family and communicate whether they're going through heartbreak or not. You never really know what anybody is going through. And you mentioned a lot how you wish you would have more people call you. I think a lot of people get so intertwined in their own lives that people get disconnected and you really aren't reaching out to the people you love the most. And, and the worst thing that could happen is, is they're not you know, in, in a good space, right? And so I would just challenge everybody that's listening, reach out to your friends, call them, leave them voicemails even if they don't call you back, right? It might just be important for them to hear your voice. So um, I just wanted to mention that because I think that's awesome. Now I want to jump into this quickly. You guys have an amazing facilities. And one thing I wanted to talk about is the amazing space that you guys have. It's right down the street from us in Harding. This facility is phenomenal. I think Katie might've mentioned to me, it was 3000 square feet. But when you walk into this space, it's very warm. Every single room is intentionally built uh, to support people that are going through this grieving process. If you've ever been to the Ronald McDonald House, I feel like you guys are twins. It's just got that very warm feeling. It's a, it's, a, it's a place that not necessarily you can call home, but when you walk in, you have a very unique feeling that that people are there to support you. And we just want to learn a little bit more about that space and what that space does for people that are going through this this grieving process and, and, and need kinderborn support.
0: Yeah, so we're really lucky to have this home at 1320 Harding Place. Um, it, Carter, Carter Sewell... Um, who passed away in his 30s. His family, members of his family, received services from Kindermorn and a group of his friends decided that they wanted to raise money for us to have a bigger space, to have a nicer space where people could really receive the care that they needed. And so they raised more than $300,000 to purchase the initial property in 1995. And we're really lucky. We've since expanded. But yes, when you walk into the home, it's this incredible feeling of warmth that you get. It's been described as kind of feeling like grandma's house. It looks like one of those, you know, old Southern homes where you expect someone to walk in at any moment and hand you a cookie. Um, and it's just, it's a space that's hard to describe. You definitely feel the warmth, you feel welcomed. And um, you know, we have everybody in Charlotte knocking on our door, asking if we want to sell that property. Cause at this point, as you know, now you're three doors down from us. Um, You know, it's just a beautiful spot in a prime location, and um, I know Kelly had mentioned, you know, it's really important to have a really welcoming space for people where you come in and it's almost like you're in a home living room setting. It's not cold and clinical, so we're really lucky to have the support of members of the, the community, Carter's Friends. I mean, they still host the golf tournament that's Tee Off for Hope that we have every October in his honor. Um, And that's how people come together to make sure that everybody receives the care that they need. But it's a beautiful space. And we are going to be starting tours. So if you want to come once a month, there's going to be an opportunity to come and take a tour of the home, whether you're navigating grief and bereavement or not, I would encourage everybody to just come and, you know, take a look at what we do and um, learn more importantly, why we do it.
3: It's definitely a safe space. So the first time I came in, it, it just felt very warm and inviting. Um, you know, when you're seeking basically mental health care, I was worried it would be more of a sterile sort of medical environment. And it's, it's totally not. When we would have our empty arms support groups, you're basically in a living room kind of setting, uh, sitting around in comfortable chairs and couches and just sharing and, and being together. So, um, I think it makes a, very big difference, the kind of environment that we have for families
0: to to land in. It really is going in truly a home. Um, I will also say a part of that warmth, and I would be remiss to not mention the names of the people that do this kind of work. Um, You know, Kayla, Tanya, Lauren, Brooke, Jacqueline at the front desk, the people that do this work and that serve the clients, the children and the families and the parents that come through our doors. Doing this kind of work and working within the death and bereavement space, um, they they are angels on earth in many ways. Um, And they are the heart and soul of this organization, along with the board members and all of the parents and children that have gone through the program that continue to come back and support us, whether it's as volunteers or participants in the duck race. I think that's part of the magic too. The people that we have working for this organization are the people that you want as friends. They want them as neighbors. They are incredible members of the Charlotte community who are making certain that everybody gets the care they need. And I, I could probably have a whole separate podcast just to talk about how lucky I am to work alongside all of these people, including Kelly Hamilton, who um, just retired, as we've mentioned her. The legacy that she's left is absolutely incredible in her 30 plus years there. I just feel lucky to have come in behind, you know, right behind her um, to lead this organization.
1: That's awesome. How, how long do your programs last generally? Um,
0: Well, there's, there's individual counseling that goes on for really as long as someone needs it. And as I mentioned earlier, I mean, we will turn no one away due to an inability to pay. So as long as you meet the qualifications of needing this kind of care, um, and then the group programs are roughly eight weeks long. Um, they happen, I think, four times a year, um, you know, on a quarterly basis. And so every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday night, there's groups in our house. Um, and then the Helping the Hurt we is fall, um, mirrors the school year, but there's there's fall, there's spring. And then we actually partner with Freedom School um, in the summertime. Wow. So we served almost a thousand children through helping the hurt. And there are, you know, Kelly mentioned there are barriers to transportation, but for a lot of kiddos, there's barriers that are cultural in nature. There's, um, you know, they come from all sorts of different backgrounds and whether it's, you know, a lack of insurance, a lack of understanding about the need of mental health care, transportation issues, cultural barriers. That's why it's so important to be embedded in the schools and meet kids where they are, so that the the counselors in the school system can help identify um, children that that need our support and that they're able right there you know at their school to to receive group counseling and our Kindermourn folks will go in they do trainings our clinicians so all the those folks that I mentioned earlier um, and Brooke who runs the Helping the Hurt program they we will go in and train the teachers. On death, bereavement, mental health care, we have CMPD that comes into our home a couple times a year. And Kayla and, and our other clinicians talk to CMPD about how, how to talk to people when they maybe have lost a loved one to violence um, or when someone has overdosed and really talk to them about the impact that their words have on their grief journey. So there's a number of different ways that we're plugged into the community.
2: Yeah. And on that note, I want to jump into the hope floats duck race, which is awesome. You need to go to their website and check this out. And you guys have some, um, I guess I'll just use depressing statistics, but I want to share them, you know, estimated 73,000 children die every year in the United States. And one in 13 children will experience the loss of a parent or sibling before they're 18 for youth up to the age of 25, those numbers double and can't even imagine. Um, It's almost like those numbers aren't real, but they are, right? And so what you guys have been able to do is create a really cool event that's raised over $2.5 million. Last year, you sold over 40,000 ducks, which is so cool. This event is going to be on April 30th from 2 to 5.30 at the Whitewater Center. Um, I, I'm, I'm going to send this to my wife right away because, A, I think my kids would love to see ducks go down the river, um, but also if it's something that we can can give back. But tell us a little bit about this event. You guys have been doing this for 19 years, um, and it seems like a super special event.
3: Sure, I'll cover that. Um, the, the Hope Floats Duck Race is, you know, again, for how difficult our mission can be in helping people who are suffering, you know, a really terrible loss, this day, this signature fundraiser event that we have is a really fun, uplifting way where our families can feel very supported by everyone that shows up. Um, going out there, it's just full of families. We have a lot of uh, kid-friendly activities, and, and certainly what everybody's waiting for is the duck drops. So we have a huge crane out there toward the back of the Whitewater Center. Last year was just over 45,000 rubber ducks that we had adopted. And I think that's really our starting goal this year. Cause again, this is our 45th anniversary in existence. So I think that ties in pretty nicely and hopefully we'll exceed that again. Uh, But when you see 45,000 little rubber ducks just released all at once and come flying down the rapids, it's (laughs) so exciting. And I remember my first year arriving, again, we lost Liam in January, so coming in April, I was, again, I had anxiety about a lot of things at that time. And so I was very anxious as to how this would be. Would this be a sad day? Would it just be? It was like everything lit up inside me when I saw just the joy that surrounded the whole event. And you just feel like everybody's giving you a warm hug there. Um, but you'll see people who have um, all their specific teams for for their loved ones that they're raising money for and and people come in and adopt ducks under each of these teams so you'll see we have these great branded t-shirts that we do each year. Uh, some people need to even create their own shirts for their own team names We've got um, different posters up of people with, with our team names surrounding. So there's just a lot of community. Uh, thousands of people show up every year to see this event. We always go out early and have some lunch and get a good spot because everybody picks a spot right there on the, the side of the banks. Um, and it's just a whole load of fun. We've got rafters that go out there. And so essentially when all the ducks come down, they scoop them up. That's a, big volunteer job should any of your listeners want to want to hop on that one um we've got to scoop them all up and put them back in the crates uh but it's it's just a really warm uplifting day and we look forward to it every year and again it's it's my personal way each spring to be able to talk about Liam and remind everybody who he is and why he's important to us
2: how do we get involved and are there still sponsorship opportunities for for companies that want to get involved as well? Because I'm just clicking on the link. There's lots of opportunities. You can buy there one are. duck. You can buy a whole raft. You can create a team. You can sponsor it.
0: Yeah. So there's still, I mean, and one of the biggest things I want to share um, on this podcast, and we try to try to make sure that everybody is aware this is this event's completely free. You can create a team for free. I mean, the goal is to, to adopt out ducks. And so people are going to be making financial contributions, but you can attend the event for free. You're, you're going to have to pay the $6 to park at the Whitewater Center. But, <laughs> um, but, and that's how we get so many people. So there's still sponsor opportunities. They start as low as $500. Um, there are many, many ways to volunteer. I think it would be pretty cool to put on your resume that you were a rubber duck wrangler at the whitewater center. Look at that. So
2: <laughs> make I that mean, a the top, Brian Young. if R- that doesn't
0: push you to the top of the candidate Man. pool, I don't know what will, <laughs> but we have a lot of volunteer opportunities. It's all linked through our website. So if you go to Kindermorn.org and you click on the hope float stuck race, you're going to see a link to sponsorship. You're going to see a link to register or create a team. You can join someone else's team. So it's, it's, there's so many different ways to get involved. And our goal is to get as many small businesses, large businesses, and individuals in our community tapped into this event because it truly is, and I know you've heard this phrase before, but it's a festival of hope and healing. And when you come to the event, you realize you have people there similar to Kelly's first time that, you know, they're, they're in, you know, the deepest part of their grief and coming together and connecting with members of the community and doing something that is fun and uplifting while still honoring and remembering those that we've lost, that's pretty high level impact for, for people navigating this. And we don't want to forget about the people on the periphery of this too. You mentioned Josh and Wes, and I know them well. Um, and Josh said something to me once, and I don't know if he'll remember this. And he said something that was, it just really struck me and I've never forgotten it. Um, when he was talking about the loss of his daughter, Libby, um, he said this has with the help of various organizations, um, I've gone from this being my entire story to just a chapter and it's an important one. Um, But that's a big part of what Kindermorn does. Josh, of course, was talking about 24 Foundation at the time. So I want to give 24 credit for that. But (laughs) I don't want to just pretend like it was Kindermorn. But Josh is familiar with Kindermorn too. And that's really the goal is how do we how do we move this from being the entire story to becoming a chapter that's just really important for people and something that the goal is not to forget it, but to find a way to really have it be part of the patchwork quilt that is your life and not the whole story
2: that was well
1: said it is well said and well, I, first, I
0: stole it from someone else yeah so he, it he's be. a smart man <laughs> he is.
1: Josh. It, he's he's amazing it he really is um you know i first found out about kinder Morn through buying ducks from a friend about 15 years ago i was like what is this duck thing you're selling right and so we we learned about it and uh, you you know my story as well i lost my mother when i was 10 years old and did not have an organization like this to be a part of. It would have been extremely helpful um, throughout that grief process. Uh, In regard to the community, though, okay, we know about the duck race, but how else uh, could you call on the community to help you and your organization? What do you need from our community to continue to offer these services and
0: I mean, the biggest thing is the most obvious one, which is financial resources. If it's within your capacity or within your heart to make a contribution to Kinder Morn, we're always grateful for that because, again, we don't turn anyone away for lack of ability to pay. Um, We also need things, you know, that we utilize. We do a lot of play therapy, um, and that's another one of those activities that's great for the kiddos that have big emotions but not the words that go alongside them. So you can go on our website and look at our wish list. Um, And you can drop things off, you can, you know, we need crayons, we need paper, we need all of those sorts of things. Anything that's budget relieving for us is super helpful. I mean, because of the the nature of the work we do, we don't have a lot of volunteer opportunities on a weekly basis where people can come and get plugged in because you need to have a clinical background. But if you've experienced a loss, um, we encourage you to come and it doesn't have to be a loss that happened yesterday or even happened last year. If you need our support, um, you know, come to Kindermorn, get into individual or group counseling. The other thing I would say is another way the community can help is just be mindful of those around you who are experiencing grief um, and suggest Kindermorn to them. You know, do what Brian mentioned earlier and what Kelly spoke about. You know, one of the biggest things you can do is to just show up for people. Um, and that helps Kindermorn. It helps everybody in our community. And by just showing up, that could be just dropping a meal off. But what I've heard, one of the more helpful things is you know, make it very clear that you don't expect a response from someone. You know, I had a kinder parent tell me last week that one of the best things that they've received from friends and family is a text that just says, I'm thinking about you. So do those types of things for your friends and just show up for them in that way, because sometimes they don't know what to tell you when you say, what can I do for you? They're like, I'm- absolutely nothing. I am lost in this.
1: I've heard that stresses people out. So I've quit asking that question mm-hmm. for friends that, that mm-hmm. grieve, right? Like just show up and I'm guilty too, of, of feeling like I haven't shown up, you know, because we get so busy in our crazy lives. So I, I love that advice because it just helps like even just a, a small text like, I, thinking I'd, of you. Yeah. Right? And I don't
0: want to steal the stage. Kelly's experienced something firsthand. Is there anything else that you would add um, about your experience? You've been so open you know, about what, you, what you've what you needed and what you experienced?
3: Yeah, I think it can come in various ways, but I think just being present in some way and, and vocal um, is really helpful because it's easy to hide in these circumstances. And of course, Liam was our first, but I have heard from others who have had living children and then experienced the death of a, a child, um, you know, if close friends can come and relieve the mom and dad with some child care duties for instance letting you know easing some of the child caring duties because it really it's it's hard to grieve while you're also responsible for other little ones so in ways that you can help with the kids in ways that you can help around the house um, little tasks can seem insurmountable at the time so honestly it can be very little ways you you show that act.
2: You know, and another it's thing crazy. I mentioned, you know, social media and we can talk about how bad social media is, but me and um, and Katie experienced something at her previous organization where one of my friends that I'll, I'll say maybe, you know, we weren't as close as we used to be. Uh, right. But I, I, I saw this story that he had posted and I immediately knew I need to get him in touch with Katie Ryan. Right. And that was it was kind of out of the blue. I, I reached out to him and, and said, Hey, you know, I have no idea what you're, you're going through, but I do know there's, there's help and we can do that. And so I got them connected with Katie and, uh, and the 24 foundation and Katie did an amazing job and, and, and his you know wife beat cancer, which was crazy. But like, that was just one little step. And he has reached out to me so many times since then, like thanking me. And I'm over here. I'm like, I didn't do anything. You know, all I did was just make that connection. But you can see things on social media. People will post things. And if you see something that's alarming or you see something that they're going through, no matter what it is, just send them a text message, reach out to them. And if you know somebody is going through something that Kinderborn can support it, even if you don't know anything, you can call me. I'll get them in touch. Like. The reality is, is just be there and say, hey, there's this resource. And even if you just make that connection, right, introduce Katie Ryan, send them to the website. You have no idea how much that could help them. And they, if, especially if they don't know about it. So as a community, I feel like our nonprofit space is amazing, but people need to talk about it more, right. And make those connections. And if you see something, even if you're talking to a friend that mentions so-and-so went through something, say, hey, you, you need to get them in touch with Kindermorn." And, and that one little sentence to them could change their entire life.
0: Yeah. And I would invite them, you know, Brian, I'm still connected yeah. with your friend and his wife. Um, I think it'll be a friendship that goes on in perpetuity. Totally. Um, and it's the same thing, whether we're talking about 24 Foundation, um, which was that circumstance or talking about Kinder Morn, you know, I will encourage anyone, if you, if you know someone going through something, one of the easiest things you can do. And I, I put my cell phone out there. Um, don't worry. I won't say it on the podcast. That's probably a no, no.
2: And be like, call me. You can, um, you can say um, yourself. Say whatever You, you want. say yourself. Up. No. Um, I'm going to give yourself an out if you don't.
0: <laughs> so that's one of the things that I've done at previous organizations because of the kind of work that we do. And kinder the exact same thing. I would invite anyone I know or anyone I don't know to reach out to me and connect me to, to someone that's that's navigating loss and bereavement via text. And the best thing that you can do, and text tends to be better than email, you can also connect us on social media, but the best thing that you can do is just connect us. And when that happens, similar to the circumstance you were discussing, um, I'll usually write back and I'll say, there's no pressure to respond, but if you need me, I'm here. And, you know, at any point, if you decide that you want to respond to this and you wanted to know, you know, how we can serve you and what programs we have, I'm going to be here. Of course, your friend responded right away and we ended up talking for an hour and a half on a Saturday afternoon. Um, the same thing stands with Kindermorn. So please know it is not a burden. I mean, this is why I'm excited about this job. This is why Kelly volunteers and tag team Anthony in. And now, you know, we're, <laughs> we're holding Anthony to a high standard because of Kelly. Um, so no pressure, Anthony, but, um, but that's why we all do this work is because we want to help, but we can only help if people are connected to us. So we want, You know, we need all of you, whether you've experienced loss or not, to be our boots on the ground, you know, foot soldiers, making sure that people are aware that this service exists because Kindermorn and organizations like Kindermorn are few and far between. This is heavy, heavy work and especially heavy for those people, you know, Kayla, Tanya, Brooke, Lauren, Jacqueline, that do it on a daily basis that need to go get their own counseling because of the work that they do um but they're doing it because it's important work for our community so please share and spread the word
3: well, i think a lot of people <clears throat> are not aware that kindermorn truly is a local charlotte based you know organization and that we are very fortunate that it's in our city um because i can't tell you the number of times where someone says when well, such and such a city can't we just find kindermorn there but no like we are truly one of a kind and unique um, I feel very tied to Kindermorn cause I also was born in Charlotte in 1978, but that is that, that's what makes us very special. Um, it's in our backyard. And so folks who need the services, just, just know that we're here. I, I love agree.
2: it. I got some great news. My wife just emailed me and said, let's do it for the duck race. Yes, so we're yes. in. Are
0: you going to create
2: a I'm team? I'm coming after all my friends. If you don't
0: create a team, <laughs> oh man, here there's we go. Team Ryan.
2: <laughs> oh, oh, <laughs> you want me to team, join your team? team. Am I getting Team Liam? Am I getting recruited? Am here yes. we go. <laughs>
0: well, you know, Team Liam has has kind of been the top award winner there for we go. A, number of a number of years. years well though.
2: and if you have children and even if you've never experienced this, you've never understood or, or even knew what Kindermore was before you listen to this, like it's a duck race. My two boys would love to go just see the duck race. But at the same time, I'm trying to get them intertwined into the nonprofit space early. Right. So I want them to understand why we're there and have those conversations. And yeah, the duck race is the benefit, right? They get excited about the duck race, but continuing to get them involved at a young age is very important to me. uh, And it's what my parents did. And I think it's kind of created who I am. Um, so yeah, I just sent an email to my wife a a second ago. I was like, let's do this. And she goes, let's do (laughs) it. So, okay.
0: I'm holding um, you to it. um, No,
2: I, I, I will be honest. I also checked the Charlotte FC schedule and they're not at home. So (laughs) I'm in, I'm totally in now. You said this is the 15th. It's a, thir- it's a 30th, 30th. It's, sunday. it's a okay. sunday come
0: on scott okay it's a sunday
1: i'm thinking tax day so yeah. Yeah. i, I oh, man. was like oh right. yeah well yeah. A good way to well, get away from yeah. that <laughs> too <laughs> <right>? <laughs> it's not quite the
2: same yeah. Yeah. Hey, you'll be done Definitely. with your taxes everything will be good to go <laughs> come spend your
3: refund yeah if you, that's yeah, if you well. get a
2: refund i, I haven't seen a refund in
1: 20 years. yeah, when, yeah. You, when you get your uh, refund you always have to write a check for some reason uh, Man, yeah.
0: um, But no, it really is at at a very base level. If, you, if there's no other level of involvement, come and watch 40,000 plus ducks fly from a crane into the water at the Whitewater Center. I mean, that is just a really cool thing to watch and be a part of. I mean, there's there's music, there's food, there's games. It's I mean, I can't think of a better place to show up and support people and do something fun, you know, on a weekend in Charlotte.
2: So as a competitive right. person, what's the winning duck get?
0: So the winning duck gets cash. Whoa. Cash 500. What? Wow. Quackers. Wow. wow. I was going to say smackers. One in but. <laughs> smackers and quackers, baby. One in
1: 50,000 chance. That's so awesome. That's
0: one thing. That I mean, we that's fa- cool. That's like, one thing we failed to mention is that, when you adopt ducks, the top three ducks win cash money. See, that's cash
2: awesome. money. We, when we went yeah, to, I went good. to a duck race and I'll never forget it. And I was probably the age of my son who's about to turn five when we were in Kansas and they dropped them all off a bridge, right? And I remember my dad just telling me the entire time, that's definitely your duck in first. <laughs> <That's definitely laughs> your duck in first. So although I didn't walk away with a big check, Clearly, my duck won that race. My dad's like, "That's definitely your duck." And then my twin brother's like, "What about my duck?" He's like, "Oh, your duck's right behind him." Oh no! Now your duck's winning. So it was a great experience. But literally, it's something that I never forget. Like I, if I think of living in Kansas from the age of two to like ten years old, there's only few things that I really, really, truly remember, and the duck race is literally one of them. Like verbatim, like I remember all of that.
0: Some remember the whole day. It's crazy.
2: It's crazy. How do you keep up with them? So I mean, and, I
0: mean they they all come flowing down that back channel's
2: pretty oh, yeah, skinny Right. Yeah. Yeah. and
1: it
0: comes into the pool and we've got our
3: raptors up them. and ready and you
0: just yeah
1: so, and they're numbered I guess so yeah, everyone knows
0: I mean th- they're they're numbered there's an electronic way to pull them but we um, but. It's it's just really exciting and it's really fun, especially for the littles been, to It I mean, It is. You're yeah. talking about the story, so oh. for your little littles to really be like, "Is that your duck
2: oh, yeah. coming
0: down the line across yeah. the finish line?" So you just need to hold them back to not jump in. Yeah. yeah. Um, but you. <laughs> that can, might yeah. be the hard part. Yeah. <laughs> but if <laughs> like I jumps. mean, if you want to come and volunteer, you know, we mentioned earlier, you can volunteer for the kids zone, which is a fun family activity. Your children can participate in that with you as long as the parents there which is a great volunteer opportunity for the family when you really talk about teaching the importance of philanthropy and the difference that one person can make in a community. That's a really important message for all of us to teach our children and the children in our lives if we don't have our own. Um, you You can get in a kayak or a raft and be a duck wrangler. You know, you can you can get your workout in and your steps that day by bringing the ducks over to our truck that we have to get them back onto. I mean, you can work at um, the Duck Depot, which is where we sell our duck-related swag. I mean, who doesn't want a duck bill shaped hat? I mean, I mean, I, if that's not high fashion, like I don't where know. Do where these is. ducks
2: live? So throughout the year,
0: they travel the Oh, country. nice.
2: Okay. I was um, gonna say, they
0: are nomadic ducks
2: okay. and oh. they
0: don't put down roots very many places. They're,
2: just, <laughs> they're on those series, so, they're so, like the duck racing they migrate. series.
0: They are, they go to different duck races.
2: Oh, man. Oh, that's cool.
0: Yeah. They are oh, not. Cool. We don't own the ducks. We rent the ducks.
1: Yeah. Well, that you know, would be a lot of space yeah, to store
0: forty five
1: thousand ducks. Forty five thousand. There's a process. Yeah. You have to dry them all off before you store them. Yeah. Uh, yeah they all duck, that stuff. Ducks
0: can get moldy. Rubber can't get moldy.
1: So do we have to give our congratulations ducks on, on forty five years? That's that's yeah. amazing. You yeah.
0: do. Um, you the, can purchase your own duck to bring home at the, the duck
2: oh, depot. Oh, nice. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah, That'll and according
0: to the people at Game, which is where we get the ducks. We're the third largest duck race in
2: the country. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Good for you guys. Well, this has been incredible. Um, you know, thank you guys both for coming on. Kelly, thank you so much for sharing you know, your story. Katie, thank you so much for sharing your story. Um, I, we know you so well. So I know you're going to crush this. Um, and I'm excited for you because I can tell just in nobody can see her, but you can tell how passionate she is about this. Um, you know, like we always mention, mm-hmm. please like, share, comment, go on their website if you're an organization looking to get involved, please go look how you can sponsor those. Everybody, please check out the uh, the Hope Floats Duck Race. All my friends that have kids in the one to five category, let me know. Actually, one question: When does the ducks drop? You know, we all got like nap time and stuff. Might 3:30. not be able to get there. Three thirty. Three thirty. Okay, so you and can. And
3: I would just recommend getting on the earlier side to the White Watcher okay. Center because as folks are probably aware, sometimes that parking can get crazy on a really beautiful day out there Definitely. um so i again i try to go don't plan to show up at
0: 325 you don't want to miss the ducks because it's fast
2: that's right
3: year.
0: and if you sponsor there's a corporate duck race that that's kicks right. off at 315
3: whoa that Has
0: large rubber larger ducks. rubber ducks
3: that are all painted up in certain fun themes year to year
2: that is awesome okay. Yeah. Well, early nap time Bearings, for everybody early they, nap they time zhuzh
0: up, they zhuzh up the ducks
2: that is so cool
0: she has one that has a full blonde wig on it. That's wow. Pretty, it's pretty awesome.
2: Man. That, wow. It is. I'm in. Wow. So, well, this has been fantastic. Thank you guys again for, for joining us. Like we said, please check out Kindermore and figure out how you can help out. But ultimately, you know, check on your friends, check on your family. If you see something or you see somebody that's going through something, um, connect them with, with me and Scott. We will get you in touch with any of the nonprofits that we work with and, and, and all of those different areas. But really, it's all about communication and just reaching out. So I challenge everybody, just reach out to four or five people today and just tell them you love them. Uh, it'll go a long way. And uh, again, Kelly, Katie, you guys are awesome. Really do appreciate everything that you're doing. And and Kindermorn is in, in great hands. And um, like we always said, it's not something that you want to go through. But, you know, thank God you are here. And thankfully that it's an organization that can support that. Because um, even Scott was mentioning, you were mentioning like, a lot of people don't have that resource. So Charlotte, we are very lucky to have it. And, um, yeah, I just appreciate you guys coming on and sharing all that. Thanks
3: Thanks so much for having us. us. Yeah,
2: this is fun. Thank you. Love it. Until next time you've been listening to this episode of the brand builders podcast.
1: You've been listening to the brand builders
0: podcast brought to you by the Dunstan group with your host, Scott Dunstan and Brian Young. For branded
1: merchandise and apparel that makes first impressions and ones that last, check out the Dunstan Group at dunstangroup.com.